Welcome. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network. This is the Liberty Mom Show. This is Elaine England, your host. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense, the real defenders of the whole front. We are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. We're so happy to have you join us today, and we're delighted to have our special guest. I am thrilled. Uh, Pamela, Pamela or Pam Allen, I always call her Pam Allen, she is an amazing Liberty Mom, and I'm so happy to know her, to love her, and to call her a friend. She has six children. She's a grandmother of 24. She taught in public school system for 24 years, and the way that I got to know her was that she is part of the Colonial Heritage Festival. She is teaches about the Mayflower and the pilgrims that came over on the Mayflower, and she also teaches at Freedom's Light Festival which is the festival in Bountiful. And she teaches that, and she is just amazing. She is just filled with so much great information. And we know as you prepare for Thanksgiving, it is so much more than about indulgence and maybe overindulgence. We invite you to make Thanksgiving a day of truly thanks and giving, a day when we can really thank our Lord, our Creator, and our Savior for the amazing blessings that we have. And when we're living in this totally crazy upside-down world right now, you might start to wonder if you have anything to be thankful for, but we absolutely do. We have so much still to be grateful for. And I just want to ask you a few questions. Do you know what your liberties are? And what would it be like if you lived your life without your God-given rights, being acknowledged and protected, by your government that is job is to do that. And this is going to be a great chance to see what you know about the amazing people who sacrificed so much to found and to create our great country. And I just want to invite everyone across the nation because people are reaching out to the Lord. We are inviting everyone, any, anyone across our entire nation to join us for a national prayer. That is every single day, no matter what day of the week it is, we are praying at 8 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. And so you can adjust that for whatever time zone you're in. But even if you're doing it an hour off, it's still going to be great. It's still going to meet. And it is something really cathartic and healing about our entire nation coming together and praying together as an entire nation. And it's a one-minute prayer. So it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I stop. If I'm with friends or family or whatever, we I just stop and just say, "Would could I? Could you? Would you mind praying with me for one minute?" And I've yet to have anybody say no. And we just have a quick one-minute prayer to thank the Lord for our wonderful country and for the amazing people here, and to ask the Lord to heal our nation, and ask Him to preserve and protect those who are righteous and those who are fighting for liberty. And I have been praying that those who are fighting against it will be made known 
and that those who are um, doing things that are against our country and particularly right now um, our our system of voting, because if we lose our right to vote and our ability to vote, we really lose ever we lose our complete country. The, our right to vote and our right to to have our votes counted properly and adequately and accurately is essential to our rights. So everyone is invited to do that. So now we are going to turn the time over to Pam. Welcome, Pam. We're so happy to have you with us. Well, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity. Oh, thank you. I couldn't be more pleased. I just love that how much you know and how willing you are to share it, and your presentation is always fantastic. So let's just start out. Um, there was a certain group of Englishmen, people who lived in English, England, in the early 1600s, and they, what, why, what happened? What did they get tired of, of the king, and what did they decide to do? Well, the big problem was um, because of the church's influence, um, they were able to influence laws that would be against people reading or even possessing any part of the Bible. Uh, and you might say, what a strange thing that is. Why in the world? But the church at that time was very corrupt. And if, uh, if the people could not read the Bible, then they could say, well, it's, it's in the Bible. That's what God wants you to do, whatever they had in mind. But if you could read the Bible, then you'd say, that's, that's not in there. And that's what happened to these people. Uh, they became known as Puritans because at first they wanted to purify the church and and get the leaders. They just they gave them the benefit of the doubt, and they thought they're just mistaken. <laughs> and so, they when they tried to purify it, uh, it was obvious that they were reading the Bible, and so uh, <clears throat> that was time for them to be put in jail because they were disobeying the law, and uh, they realized that that was no way to live. Um, they had to hide the fact that they were meeting, hide the fact that they were reading the Bible. They knew it was bad law, so that's why they disobeyed it. Uh, and then they said, we're just, we're going to have to go somewhere else because we can't live this way. And so um, many of them, over a period of time, eventually were able to, um, to go to Holland. It was very difficult because actually it was against the law in England, to leave England. And so in order to go to a new country, you had to find uh, a ship's captain willing to break that law. And that proved to be a big challenge. But eventually 300 or more were able to get over there uh, to Holland. And um, that, that gave them a lot of other problems as well. So would you like me to go into some of those? <laughs> That would be fantastic. I just want to say, yeah. <clears throat> when you're talking about how the king did not want people to have knowledge, because knowledge is power. And so we can always look to when people in charge do not want us to have knowledge, they do not want us to be informed of the truth, then we know we have a problem. We know that we have leaders who want to control us, not to really empower us. So that is just a great thing to watch for that we can apply in our lives right now and today. It's really important that our leaders are not trying to hide truth, that they are trying to give us all the information and let us choose for themselves. 
Okay, so tell us what happened next, Pam. Okay, so what happened was after they got over there, of course, they had other problems. They had to learn a new language. They had to find some way to make money. And they had the guild system in Holland. And so that was very difficult for them to break into that um, area. And they had to do the most menial jobs. But at least they had freedom to read the Bible, worship as they pleased. But after, after a time they suddenly realized that their children were becoming more Dutch than English, and this was devastating to them. They loved their heritage, and they had to really watch for that. And when they they said, we can't stay here because the rising generation is losing everything we've sacrificed for. And because of that, they had to they had to find some other place they could go, and that's why they eventually decided that they would go to the New World. It was an opportunity for them to go still be English because they'd be in an English colony, but they wouldn't have this influence of the Dutch, which was making them too tolerant. They <laughs> didn't think they had to read the Bible. They didn't think they had to go to church, and they were losing their, their English heritage again, which I said they, they loved. You know, I just want to ask people to think, what, what would you be willing to leave your homeland, leave your home, leave your friends and many of your family members and go to a completely, either a new nation or a completely new world, which I just think it's, it's really amazing. What an incredible sacrifice, how devoted they were to their beliefs and to their faith in God and how willing they were to make so many sacrifices. I can't imagine doing it once, but then to do it twice mm -hmm. is just really, really something. It really speaks about the character of these people, doesn't it? And what was truly important to them. More important exactly. than or family, friends, whatever. And, and the unknown things that would be happening in the new world. Besides the and terrible trip. <laughs> Right, exactly. But they knew that it was unknown. I mean, they're going into something they really don't know much about, but they did know there were no houses, there were no stores, yeah. no conveniences. So we're going to take a quick break, Pam, and we're going to be right back with Pam Allen. As life gets back to normal and we start heading back to work, don't leave your leftover stash of toilet paper exposed to rodents. Send them packing the most humane way with Plug-In Pest Free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-In Pest Free, the electromagnetic device that utilises the active wiring in your home or business to keep rodents and pests away. 100% chemical free and environmentally friendly. Just plug it in. It's that simple. My strongest performer, the Pro Unit, is good for most homes and small businesses up to 4,000 square feet. Now that's fair income. Is your home or business protected? If not, order yours today at gopestfree.com. Use promo code SAVE20 for 20% off. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. 
Go pestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. Are you tired of high cable TV rates? Sign up for Dish today and get a $500 bonus offer while supplies last. Plus, lock in your price for two years guaranteed. Call All-American Dish, your dish-authorized retailer now. 800-610-5739. 800-610-5739. That's 800-610-5739. Offers require credit qualification, 24-month commitment, early termination fee, and auto pay. Restrictions apply. Call for details. Trade pros. Whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job, which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over a 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you. Gold prices keep climbing and just hit an all-time high. COVID-19 and battered global economies are sending investors to the safe haven of physical gold to avoid losing value in their IRAs, 401ks, and stocks. Don't stand on the sidelines and wonder what the stock market is going to do next. Protect and grow your financial future today with a call to American Bullion, the leader in gold investments. You have valid concerns, and we have simple solutions for all needs and budgets. In fact, we specialize in first-time gold buyers as well as veterans. Find out about American Bullion's hassle-free process to transfer any portion of your IRA, 401k, or stocks into the long-term safety of a gold IRA today. Call 800-GOLD-IRA and ask for our free gold guide. That's 800-465-3472. 800-GOLD-IRA. Grow your financial future with the rising value of physical gold and protect yourself during this worldwide crisis. Call the leader, American Bullion. 800-GOLD-IRA. Welcome back. This is Delane English, your host, and you are listening to the Loving Liberty Network. We're so glad to have you with us. We have our great guest, Pam Allen, with us. And we have just had the, the pilgrims leaving Holland, realizing they need to leave Holland. And so now they're going to venture, decide to go to the New World. So tell us about this venture across the New World. What happens? What ship do they take? And tell us about their journey, Pam. Well, this is really a very interesting thing because, of course, they didn't have money to be able to do this. They they uh, found um, what a merchant group that had plenty of money and was happy to sponsor people to go to the New World. And <clears throat> when they agreed with one, uh, one of the uh, terms of agreement was that they would get paid back in seven years. And so... Off they went, not with one ship, but with two. Most people don't realize that the people leaving from Holland actually left on the boat called the Speedwell. They had anticipated that they would keep that ship over there and use it for whatever they might need um, in the New World. But the Speedwell, um, after meeting up with the Mayflower, which came from London, um, proved unseaworthy. And so after they had all their provisions on, they were ready to go, and they were on their way. They thought it would take them just a month to cross the ocean and get to Virginia, a much bigger area than it is now. And um, they were out to sea for a while, and then the, the ship, the Speedwell, started taking on water. And so they had to return and put it into dry dock. Uh, to fix it. 
And even though, you know, I'm sure they worked as speedily as they could, it took up a precious time for them to make this trip. And of course, they had to eat the supplies if they thought they were going to take them across the ocean. And once again, they were on their way and they thought, okay, it's a setback, but here we go and this will do it. But they got a little further and again, the ship was taking on water. And there are various um, reasons why they thought this was, but nevertheless, it was not going to cross the Atlantic safely. So they returned and then had to decide who would be able to go, what had to go, and who would have to wait until another ship could take them across. And once they had made those decisions, it was now September. Uh, they had left Holland in July. And so this really was quite a setback. And so the third time, I guess you could say was the charm, and the one ship left with 102 passengers. And as they started off thinking, okay, this will just take us a month. No, this time of the year, the winds, uh, the currents took them off course, so it took them to what we now call Massachusetts. Of course, we know that part of the story, but it took them 66 days. They sighted land on the 9th of November, and they realized that this was not <laughs> not where they had intended to be. They, they tried to uh, go south, but because of the winds, because of the design of the ship, this was impossible. And the ship's captain says, no, it will destroy the ship. You're going to have to stay here. And so that's why they ended up um, in Cape Cod. And so uh, because they were not in Virginia, this was not the established colony, they had to come up with a way of governance. It's interesting because uh, one of the fellows, Stephen Hopkins, had been there before, and he was not one that was going to... Um, to the new world for religious freedom, he was going for economic opportunity. And he'd been there before, and sadly, he was a troublemaker from the beginning. And uh, so he said, this isn't Virginia. He said, there's no government here, so I can do whatever I want. And of course, this was just appalling to everybody else. And so the governor at the time, uh, John Carver, said, nobody gets off this ship until we have decided on how we will govern ourselves. And so over a two-year, two-year, two-day period, they uh, hashed it out, and they finally came up with what we now know as the Mayflower Compact. And um, they did affirm that they were um, loyal to the king and that they owed everything to God. They depended on him, and they were there to do his will. And then they said, we will abide by whatever laws uh, we come up with that are important for our colony to survive. All the heads of households uh, signed it, and then they were ready to start their colony. And that's, that's when things got started in the new world. So that was an exciting step, our first self-governing document. Yes, and I just want to remind people, think sometimes when we feel like we're supposed to do something and then we have all kinds of pushback or we have a lot of trials, um, we can start to question or doubt if this is what we're supposed to do or we just really want to do something. And look at all of the trials that the pilgrims had. It was not easy, and yet they overcame them. They kept, they were committed to their cause, and they kept working on it, and 
and think of what a blessing. Like it's just you can see the hand of God, the providence involved in where they landed and why they landed that way, because it did cause them to create the Mayflower Compact, which they would not have done if they would have landed in Virginia. Is that not right? Oh yes, and and they wouldn't have had that. They would have just been one of you know uh, everybody else that was there under the king's. Um, uh, governance and uh, that would be their lot they wouldn't have even thought to do anything about self-governance and so this is a way that heavenly father was saying this is where we're going to start planting a seed this is something that is going to be necessary and this is a way to get that going and so amazing uh, really appreciate that because um like they they'd never had a chance to do that before they they'd never been in a situation where they had to think about governing themselves because they had always been under a monarch of some kind, England and in um, Holland, it was already established. And so this was something brand new, getting their feet wet, not know exactly what to do, but I think it was amazing that they, they didn't just make all the laws right then. I mean, this is a very small document and, um, to have that be the beginning of, of their, um, of their life together, working together as, as the colonists, they knew that they were going to have to help each other. They couldn't do it on their own. Um, it's quite, quite an amazing thing. So I really appreciate and I love what you said because they, the, it was a document of self-governance, which is what we in America, it's such a unique, so unusual that we created, uh, not us personally, but our fa- founding fathers, uh, those before us, they created a country of self-governance, which was unique to the entire world. There wasn't oh, another nation in the world that had self-governance. So this was amazing because they had to think this through and think of it, like you said, with the Mayfair Compact. And I just wanted to mention that November 9th, as you said, November 9th was the date they arrived in America. And so this year... Just a week ago, November 9th, a week ago, um, was the 400th anniversary of the Pilgrims landing in the Mayflower, landing in Boston Harbor. Absolutely. So that is an exciting time. What an exciting year. And how unfortunate that we were not all able to go back and be there and celebrate this amazing holiday and this amazing beat. Event, so yeah. We will look forward to it next year because hopefully right. we'll be able to. To be there Celebr- next year. You can celebrate the first Thanksgiving then. There you go. Yes. <laughs> they they well, made it through a year. <laughs> we'll celebrate both at the same time while we're there. Oh, yeah. yes. Absolutely. And uh, I, I think that that is, is a wonderful thing to realize that uh, that first year was very difficult, very difficult. And, of course, we'll, we'll talk about that just a little bit later. But uh, I just think it's so important for us to understand it was not an easy thing, and uh, but they they were up to the task, and uh, they were determined to be able to have these blessings. So that is right. And when do you ever do anything amazing that wasn't very difficult? We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Pam Allen to talk about the Mayflower.
welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. I'm your host, Elaine England. We're so happy to have you join us today. Liberty Moms are the original Secretaries of Defense, the real defenders of the home front. We are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. And we want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And we are so happy to have Pam Allen join us to to give us a sense of the original Thanksgiving, what it was about, those who created our nation and the sacrifices that they made so that our Thanksgiving can be more meaningful and more in-depth and we can really have a heart full of thanks for those people and what they've done and how the Lord has blessed us so abundantly since that time. So we wish you all that kind of Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Okay, Pam, so we were talking when we had to leave for break, we were talking about the the pilgrims have landed and now they're 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 starting their venture in a new land in a new country and it is full of trials and and difficulties. Well, that is the truth. You know, they've just finished a a 66-day trip across where they didn't have any real good facilities. You can just imagine how horrendous that trip would be, especially with the the storms that they had to endure. They were so glad to be in a place where they could get cleaned up finally because that was not not available to them uh, before. But remember, this is in November in Massachusetts. It is cold, it's freezing, and there's nothing there for them. Uh, They brought a little little boat inside, which they had to cut in half to make it fit inside the the ship. Um, And, of course, the reason they did that was it wouldn't fit in as a whole piece. (laughs) So they repaired it, and they used that to go and explore where they were going to and uh, find a place where they would decide to actually build their colony. And then, of course, they couldn't just sit around on the ship all winter long. They had to get out there and build homes, make a stockade for protection, and, and have, have a place that they could live when the ship went back to England in the spring. And so the, the men out there, you can just imagine in the snow and cold going out there. Of course, they, they used the Mayflower as a hotel, kind of, and, and when they weren't too exhausted... To get back to the ship, um, they well, if they if they didn't, they would just have to stay on shore and try to keep themselves warm there. But it was it was difficult, and um, of course they had no way of knowing if the water there was clean or not. I mean, it looked clear; they thought it was fine, but apparently some of the water was contaminated, and there was so much sickness. Half of the people died that first winter. It was really miserable, and uh, I, I just like to point out the uh, the sailors had been quite unkind to the pilgrims in their crossing over at first, but the pilgrims were still very kind to them and nursed them when they were sick. They could not understand why they were so nice when they could have returned their favor of bad behavior, but they did not because of their beliefs. And, of course, this was a good good lesson to the sailors. But, um, but with all the misery that all they of had, us. Yeah, yeah, it is wonderful. It's a good lesson to all of us. And um, besides, you know, they thought they were going to go to a place where there would be provisions already, and they just were taking with them what they would need for the trip. And, 
there was nothing that they could actually use uh, on shore uh, in the wintertime. It's hard to find anything to eat. And so they had to just keep cutting down the, the provisions that they had. And sad to say, but when somebody died, that meant there would be a little bit more for the rest of the people. And you just kind of hate to think about um, going through any space of time like that and not knowing what was going to be coming up on the other side. So that, that was so very difficult. Now, uh, concerning the water, a lot of people don't realize, but um, they knew that oft times water would make people sick. They didn't know why, because they didn't have microscopes in those days. But they knew that if they had um, beer, that that would be fine. And so they had kind of a, a, a watered-down version that they would use uh, to prevent these sicknesses. But the captain would not allow them to use the supply he had brought because he says, I need this to go back to England. And so that's why they had to drink the water they had. They had no idea that they could, you know, if they boiled it, you know, make it better. They All those things hadn't been discovered at that time. And so this is one reason why they had such, such a very difficult time. And, um, you know, when, when things turned around and um, they made it through, uh, the ship's captains in the in the spring says, "Okay, I'm I'm heading back. Who's going with me?" Because it had been such a hard time, but nobody, nobody would go back with him. As a matter of fact, one of his crewmen, John Alden, stayed behind. So, um, when I say half of the people died, it was it was half of the crew as well as half of the passengers. So. Very, very difficult first winter that they had, and with the limited provisions and uh, everything, it was it was a miserable time. But they had faith, and they stuck with it. You know, they they knew, or they they compared themselves to the children of Israel coming to this new world because they had this trip that they had to make, and they were doing it for the glory of God. This was all very important, and I think that's one reason why uh, God could work with them, because of their deep beliefs, and uh, that is what kept them, kept them going, even though the times were difficult. Agreed. That's so true, and, and that, there's so many lessons that we can learn there, aren't there? Because life can be very difficult, but when we keep going on, amazing things can happen, from those difficult times. And so well, and a little um, bit we, we have a little bit of that right now, don't we, with the pandemic <laughs> going down. Yeah. Although uh it's it's kind of the same thing. I mean we can't see what the enemy is, so to speak, that virus is so tiny and you don't know when it's going to hit and you no matter what you do to as a precaution, it doesn't seem like there's really any good way to, to prevent it if you, you are can't in the hide proximity. From the virus. You can't yeah. pass laws and programs to stop a virus. It doesn't obey the laws and the mandates. So, For some reason. <laughs> yeah. You kind of have to do, you have to build your immune system and you have to take care of yourself and be, yeah, be proactive that way. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, hardships are part of life. Sickness and disease is part of life. Unfortunately, death is part of life. But it's what we do with what we have that really is going to count. And I think, 
it is really amazing to see what legacy they left us and the examples they set and what amazing people they really were. Um, so, do, you know, do you want to tell us the difference between a pilgrim and a Puritan? Because a lot of people don't understand the difference there. Well, that's, that is, that's a, that's a good question to ask. And as I mentioned before, the Puritans were the ones who wanted to purify the church. That's where they got that name. And then when they realized they had to leave, they were called separatists. because They separated themselves from the church at that time. And so um, <clears throat> a pilgrim is someone who goes on a journey, usually for a religious reason. And so you would say that, yes, these were pilgrims, but actually only half of them fit that particular um, title, although all of them are kind of lumped into it because the half of them were going for religious freedom and the other half were going for economic opportunity because there was no opportunity in England for people to purchase land. Uh, their way of dealing with land was very, very different than what we think of. And so it made improving your life a very difficult thing to do. And so, you know, if you were born poor, you were probably going to stay poor. <laughs> if you're born rich, right. you'd be in the upper class, whether you were rich or not, as time went on, because sometimes the money would just not be there. So, yes, that's, that's the difference between a pilgrim and a Puritan. Thank you. And as we, as we know, the, the pilgrims had to borrow money from the London business, the Virginia company, in order to make the voyage over, because obviously it wasn't free. It was expensive to travel then, and more expensive, really, than it even is now. And so how long did it take them to pay that money, to pay that debt back to the Virginia company? I'm going to have to tell you that in the next segment, because that is a great story, and it's okay. not good <laughs> <laughs> And we only have so much time left. So I hope that you're enjoying this. We are going to need to take a break, but um, we have really enjoyed learning from Pamela Allen. And as we take a break, stay with us. We'll be right back to finish up the story of the Pilgrims and the Mayflower. We'll be Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For a free quote, call 800-523-3771. That's 800-523-3771. 800-523-3771. 
3771 or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. Order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only $19.95 to see if it will work for you too. Call 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. You know what stinks? Overpaying for things, and that includes your cell phone bill. That's why every day people are switching to Pure Talk USA. You get the exact same coverage as the larger carriers, but at half the cost, with no contract and no excessive fees. Get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data all for just $20 a month. The average person saves $400 a year. Go to puretalkusa.com, enter the promo code half off, and you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code half off. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. You've heard me talking about my pillow for three years, folks. It's the truth. I get the best sleep of my life with a my pillow. You can do it too. 60 day money back guarantee, 10 year warranty made in the USA. You'll sleep well or you'll get your money back. Go to mypillow.com, click on the radio listener special, use my promo code USA, get two my pillow premium pillows for the price of one, or call 1 800 951 8175. Get the best sleep of your life and do it now. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. When I first switched over, because I stopped taking the other supplements I was taking and switched over all the way to Balance of Nature, I really noticed a huge difference. It was amazing. Like better sleep, better attention, better energy. It was just really, really great. Balance of Nature is now offering 35% off on any new preferred order. Go to balanceofnature.com today and use discount code USA. Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network. This is Delaine England, your host. You are listening to the Liberty Mom Show, and we're so happy to have Pam Allen with us. And before we took a break, we were just about to dive into how long it took the pilgrims to pay back the Virginia company, the very wealthy or semi-wealthy London businessmen who lent money to the pilgrims so they could begin this voyage. And they had a contract for seven years. Pam, tell us about what happened here. This is a very fun story. Oh, yes. I love telling this story because most people are not aware of what this other half uh, of the agreement was. First of all, you know, yeah. pay them back in ten or seven years. But <clears throat> they also had something else. They, they said, we want you to live a particular way. And this one was a real bone of contention as they were making their terms, but they finally agreed to do it. And this was that everyone would work as hard as they could, and then everyone would share equally in whatever it was that they were able to produce. Now, of course, we have you work for that. We yeah, have work yeah. for that form of government. <laughs> we, what do we, we call that? Well, we, today we call it socialism. Back then they didn't have a name for it. Right. It, was, it was a new way to do things. And it sounds really good on paper, you know, but when you it actually, good. when you put it into practice, uh, human nature um, 
takes over and really changes the theory. It doesn't work out the same way. <laughs> and, and that's what happened. You know, um, the pilgrims were used to hard work. The, the Puritans, the separatists who had gone to Holland, they, they knew. They, they had been working hard. But those who were going for economic opportunity, not all of them really um, appreciated the hard work. And I've got a theory about that, but not enough time today to develop it. But um, apparently that after they actually, after the ship went back and they started to work, they, um, some of them who really didn't want to work noticed that if people were hurt or sick, they didn't have to work because they obviously couldn't, but they would still get the same amount to eat. And so some of these um, unscrupulous people thought, hmm, I'll get just as much as everybody else if I don't work, so why should I work? And so they would feign injury or illness or something. And then, of course, the people who were working hard and were used to working would look around and see able-bodied people who were not working at all, and they didn't want to work to um, to pay uh, to help these slackers get by. And so they wouldn't work as hard as they really could. And so because of that, for two years, they, they tried, tried, tried to do it. But it just didn't work because of human nature. And uh, Governor Bradford, he was the second governor. Uh, John uh, Carver died that first hard winter. And uh, Governor Bradford, who happens to be my eighth great-grandfather, I love to tell people, <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You should be anyway, so proud. Uh, because he was a Bible reading man. He did read the Bible. And in Second Thessalonians, he was reading and said, he who does not work shall not eat. And this uh, made him realize that they were trying to do things the wrong way. And so um, the third growing season, he worked it out. So everybody got their own parcel of land. They got their allotment of seeds. And they were told, whatever you grow, that is what you will eat. And so those people who had been slacking off before, they realized that if they didn't hop two, you know, they were going to be pretty hungry. And so everybody worked. They were so industrious. It was wonderful to see what this um, new way of thinking of things uh, produced. And they, um, they worked so hard, they actually were able to plant three times the amount of seed that they had in either of the previous years. And they worked so diligently. They had such a bountiful harvest. They were able to repay the Virginia company that third year. Now, they barely made it through the other two. They couldn't pay them anything the first two years. And so even though it was the third year, it was only one year that it took them to repay their debt. And uh, they were the only colony to actually repay the people who had um, provided for them to get there. It's a pretty interesting story. So <clears throat> this, this is a great story as well because I, I have to tell you about another miracle that was in place for, the, uh, for these people besides, you know, they've, they've learned uh, religious freedom was important. They have now learned that socialism doesn't work <laughs> and that the free market system and knowing that they could use whatever they produce, not only to feed themselves, but sell it, save it, 
trade it, do whatever you want to do with your excess. That was great. But the next question is, how did they get that kind of a harvest? Um, and this, this goes back to uh, just as soon as the Mayflower was gone, here comes an Indian walking towards them. And, and the uh, pilgrims were kind of worried, you know, is he going to be hostile? What's going on here? Has he got friends hiding that'll come and, you know, attack us? But when he got within hailing distance, he raised his hand and said, Hello, Englishmen. They were astounded that he was speaking to them in English. This was Samoset. He was an uncharacteristically friendly and very curious Indian. And he had learned English from those fishermen who had come over from England uh, to to fish in the very bountiful New England shores. And he had learned enough English to get by. And so he's very curious about these new people. So he came and he stayed with them for two days. And they fed him royally because they didn't want him to know that they were running out of food. They didn't think this would be good for the natives to know how what a precarious position they were in. So as, uh, as we were finally able to get him to leave, uh, he just says, oh, by the way, I, I have a friend who speaks even better English than I do. <laughs> oh, no, 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 not another mouth to feed. This is terrible, terrible news. But uh, anyway, Squanto uh, was introduced to him, to them, and they soon found out that he was a blessing to them more than anything else. And his hardships became their blessing. And you might say, well, what hardships did Squanto have? Well, as a youngster, he was kidnapped and taken to England. And, uh, of course, that's where he learned English. He learned very well. But he also learned that not all Englishmen are kidnappers. And so um, he found that these were very good people. And so the next uh, very difficult thing that Squanto had to do uh, deal with became a blessing for the pilgrims because when Squanto eventually got back uh, to New England again and to see his tribe. They were so astounded to see him and it was wonderful, but he was there for a very short time when he was kidnapped a second time and this time by the Spanish and they took him back because they wanted to put him and others into slavery. This was a very common practice back in those days. Some people want to say that America is the only place, but no, no, no. And so uh, <clears throat> when he miraculously got back to England and finally back to New England again, this time he found that his entire tribe had been wiped out. There was no one there to, um, to welcome him. And because of the hostile tribes, if he didn't have a friend like Samoset, he was the first one to meet him and befriended him, that uh, he could very well have been uh, kidnapped or, or uh, enslaved or tortured or killed or all three eventually because that's just the way things were in uh, New England at that time among the tribes. And so because his tribe had all passed away, there was a lot of food that was stored there and that food became the saving grace for them and the seeds became what they would plant. The seeds they had brought from the old world would not survive, would not uh, thrive in that place. And so he was able to um, help them out that way. He was a blessing to them. So something that had been a very difficult thing for Squato to deal with became a great blessing for the pilgrims and another blessing uh, for the Lord 
to put those people in a place where they would be able to have what they needed. And so those squash, beans, and uh, um, corn seeds that we've all heard that Squanto taught them about, they got them from the tribe, the Patuxets, that had all died, and Squanto was their, was their very big blessing for that. Wow, that is so fantastic. I, that's such a great story. Thank you so much for sharing with us today, Pam. We want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving. Hope you'll have a wonderful time with your family and friends and thank our creator for the many blessings we have. Thank you. Have a great day. 